Today on The John Ankerberg Show, Does God Exist? A recent Pew survey revealed that more than one in five Americans now consider themselves atheist, agnostic, or nothing in particular. Maybe you yourself are asking, does God exist? What are the philosophical and scientific arguments that show God exists? My guest today, who will answer these questions, is analytical philosopher, Dr. William Lane Craig. He's considered by many to be the top Christian philosopher of our generation, and has debated many of the most well-known atheists in some of the leading universities around the world. Dr. Craig holds a PhD in philosophy from the University of Birmingham in England, and also a Doctor of Theology degree from the University of Munich. He serves as Research Professor of Philosophy at Talbot School of Theology and is the founder of ReasonableFaith.org. Dr. Craig has authored or edited over 30 books and over 100 articles in professional journals of philosophy and theology. Two of his most popular books are Reasonable Faith and On Guard. Today, we begin with the question, what difference does it make if God exists or not? People who shrug their shoulders and say, what difference does it make whether God exists or not, merely show that they haven't thought very deeply about this question. Even atheist philosophers like Friedrich Nietzsche, Bertrand Russell, Jean-Paul Sartre, recognize that the existence of God makes a tremendous difference for man, both collectively and individually. To hear what difference it makes, if God exists or not, and second, the evidence for God's existence, we invite you to join us for this special edition of The John Ankerberg Show. Welcome to our program. I'm John Ankerberg. We've got an exciting program for you today. My guest is Dr. William Lane Craig, who is one of the finest philosophers of our time. He's engaged in debates and dialogues with many of the most well-known skeptics in our world today and uh, at some of the most prestigious universities around the world. You can't believe the pressurized situations that Bill has been in and done a marvelous job. And Dr. Craig, I'm really glad that you're here today and I wanna start with a question that may describe what a lot of people in our audience right now, what they are saying about themselves. What difference does it make if God exists or not? Why does it matter? Many people say that it really doesn't matter to them if God exists or not. And you say the most important question anybody can even answer is the question of God's existence. Why? People who shrug their shoulders and say, what difference does it make whether God exists or not, merely show that they haven't thought very deeply about this question. Even atheist philosophers like Friedrich Nietzsche, Bertrand Russell, Jean-Paul Sartre, recognize that the existence of God makes a tremendous difference for man, both collectively and individually. You see, if God does not exist, then human beings are just biological organisms. And like all biological organisms are doomed to die, both individually and collectively as a whole. And therefore, every one of us has to come to grips with what the theologian Paul Tillich called the threat of non-being. That is to say, even though I know that I exist, 
I'm real, I am alive. I also know that someday I will die. I will cease to exist. I will no longer be. And that thought is staggering. I remember as a boy when my father first remarked to me offhand that someday I would die. I was just overwhelmed with this fact. I was filled with an unbearable sadness and fear. Somehow as a child, the thought that I was going to cease to exist, I was going to die, had just never occurred to me. And over time, I learned to live with the inevitable, as we all do. But I think that Jean-Paul Sartre's insight uh, remains true. Whether it's a few hours or a few years makes no difference once you have lost eternity. And if there is no God, then we have lost any hope of immortality. We have only this finite existence. So for each one of us individually, life ends at the grave. And this is true not only for us individually, but also collectively for mankind as a whole. Scientists tell us that the universe is expanding. And as it does so, it grows colder and colder and colder. Eventually, there will be no light at all. There will be no heat. There will be no life. There will simply be the carcasses of dead stars and galaxies expanding into the infinite blackness and the recesses of outer space. So if there is no God, then mankind is doomed to extinction as well as each one of us individually is doomed to death. And the result of this is that life itself becomes absurd. The life that we do have is without ultimate meaning, value, or purpose. Yeah, talk about this thing of meaning. Why is it that if God does not exist, that we have no ultimate meaning for our life? By meaning, I mean significance, why something matters. And if God does not exist, then ultimately our lives are insignificant. It doesn't matter what we do or what becomes of us. Now someone might say, but this person affected the course of history, or he affected in other individuals. But all that shows is a relative significance to his life, not an ultimate significance. Ultimately, mankind is doomed to extinction in the heat death of the universe. And so it literally does not matter what you do or who you are, because everything will end up the same. So the contributions of the scientists to the advance of human knowledge, the efforts of the diplomat to secure peace in the world, the efforts of doctors to alleviate human pain and suffering, all of these ultimately come to nothing. In the end, they don't make one bit of difference. And therefore, if God does not exist, ultimately our lives are without meaning or significance. You also say that if God does not exist, then life has no ultimate value. Explain. By value, I mean good and evil, right and wrong. And the claim here is that if there is no God to serve as the absolute standard for right and wrong, good and evil, then objective moral values and duties do not exist. On the atheistic view, Moral values are just the accidental spin-offs of the evolutionary process and social conditioning. But there really is no objective good or evil. As the French existentialist Jean-Paul Sartre puts it, we are simply confronted with the bare, valueless 
fact of existence, and there's no one to say that you are right and that I am wrong. Yeah, you've said if the life ends at the grave, that it makes no ultimate difference whether you live as a Stalin or a Mother Teresa. Explain that. Well, again, if God does not exist, there is no hope of immortality. And therefore, there is no moral accountability for how you live. Even if there were objective moral values under atheism, they're hollow abstractions because Stalin and Mother Teresa ultimately meet the same fate, extinction in the heat death of the universe. Yeah, and you, need, you, you had a great illustration of even if you had immortality, you still need God. You had this science fiction illustration. Talk about that. Well, I once read a science fiction story as a boy where an astronaut is marooned on a barren asteroid in outer space all alone. And he had with him two vials. One was a poison. Uh, the other was a potion for immortality. And seeing his predicament lost in outer space on this barren chunk of rock, he decided to commit suicide and he gulped down the vial of poison. And then to his horror, he realized he had swallowed the wrong vial. He had drunk the potion for immortality. And thus he was cursed to exist, a meaningless, valueless, endless existence. So that it's not just immortality that we need if life is to be ultimately meaningful, valuable, and purposeful. We need God and immortality. And you say the problem gets even worse because without God we have no objective way of saying what's right or wrong, no objective morals. Yes, without God there is no absolute standard of right and wrong, good or evil. Everything becomes socio-culturally relative and there is no one to say whose values are right and whose are wrong in the absence of this transcendent absolute standard for good and evil. And that would describe our culture today, wouldn't it? I don't think actually, John, that our culture is relativistic, although many people think so. I think what's happened is that there's a new set of absolutes in place. Things like the absolute value of personal autonomy, tolerance, uh, acceptance of other viewpoints, and this looks like relativism, but in fact, really, it's a new absolutism that rejects traditional values in favor of these other values. You also say that if God does not exist, then life has no ultimate purpose. What do you mean? By purpose, I mean a goal, a reason for which something exists. And if God does not exist, there is no purpose for human life or for the universe. We are just accidental byproducts of nature which have been brought into existence for no reason at all, and we are ultimately doomed to perish in the heat death of the universe. So on atheism, there is no reason, no purpose for which you exist or for which the universe exists. I remember as a boy reading the novel by H.G. Wells called The Time Machine, which illustrated this so well. In the novel, Wells' time traveler journeys far into the future to discover the ultimate destiny of man. And what he discovers is a dead earth uh, orbiting a gigantic red sun. There is no life, uh, no human existence, no civilization. Everything is gone. And as I read the novel, I thought, no, no, it can't end that way. But this is reality in a universe without God. There is no purpose. It will end that way, like it or not. And so in the story, Wells' time traveler returns. But to what? Just an earlier point 
on the same purposeless rush toward oblivion. So truly, if God does not exist, human beings find themselves in a horrible predicament. Life is ultimately without uh, significance, meaning, value, or purpose. All right. Some atheists claim that it's still possible for man to live a meaningful and happy life without God. And you say it's impossible for atheists to live consistently and happily with their view. Right. I think that it's impossible to live both consistently and happily if you believe that life is ultimately without meaning, value, or purpose. The only way that atheists manage to live happily is by living inconsistently with their worldview. But if they really live consistently as though their lives were without meaning, without value, without purpose, they would be in deep despair. And so I think this is the fundamental human predicament. How do you find a worldview that allows you to live both consistently and happily? Atheism does not furnish such a view. Now you've cited several examples of some of the famous atheists today and in the past that have done this. They have, they're living inconsistently. Yes, take for example the area of meaning in life. Even though atheists recognize that without God life ultimately has no meaning, they still continue to live as though their lives were meaningful. For example, Jean-Paul Sartre said that one may create meaning for his life by choosing a certain course of action, and Sartre himself chose Marxism. Well, that's totally inconsistent. The universe doesn't really acquire a meaning just because I happen to give it one. And I think that's easy to see. Suppose you give the universe one meaning and I give it another one. Who's right? Mm -hmm. Well, the answer is obviously neither one. The universe remains meaningless in and of itself regardless of how we happen to regard it. So I think what Sartre is really saying is let's pretend that our lives have meaning. And that's just fooling yourself. Yeah. Why is it that when we turn to the problem of values that this is where the most blatant mistakes are made? Yes, the area of value is where the most blatant inconsistencies occur because it is impossible for an atheist to live as though there were no objective moral values and duties. For example, Friedrich Nietzsche, the great 19th century atheist, broke with his mentor, Richard Wagner, precisely over the German uh, composer's anti-Semitism and strident German nationalism. Similarly, Jean-Paul Sartre, writing in the aftermath of the Second World War, declared that a doctrine that leads to the mass extermination of Jews and other peoples is not just a matter of an arbitrary choice, but uh, is really morally reprehensible and unacceptable. Bertrand Russell, admitted that he could not live consistently with his own views. He was an outspoken social critic, denouncing war and restrictions on sexual freedom. Even a person like a Richard Dawkins is an unabashed moralist. Even though Dawkins says that if there is no God, there are, is no good, there's no evil, there's nothing but pitiless indifference. Nevertheless, his books are filled with indignant, moral condemnations of practices like harassment of homosexuals, religious indoctrination of children, practice of human sacrifice. All of this is inconsistent. It shows that one cannot live 
happily as though objective moral values and duties do not exist. Yeah, let's pick that up too in terms of objective moral values. Here you have atheists saying that they have these objective moral values, whatever they choose to, to be, but they're inconsistent. And living without God has uh, some grave consequences. You were watching a BBC commentary wow. one time on the Holocaust. Tell me about that. In this BBC documentary, they interviewed survivors of Auschwitz, and one nurse was forced to become the gynecologist at Auschwitz. And she described how Mengele, the doctor there, grouped these pregnant women into a certain barracks by themselves. After a time, she no longer saw any of these women. And she made inquiries, what happened to the women who were housed in that barracks? And the response was, oh, haven't you heard? Dr. Mengele used them for vivisection. He cut them open, alive. Um, and if there is no objective moral value, then you cannot condemn such an action as wrong. There was a rabbi interviewed who was imprisoned at Auschwitz who said it was as though all of the moral commandments had been reversed. Thou shalt kill, thou shalt lie, thou shalt steal. And mankind has never seen such a hell. And yet, in a very real sense, if God does not exist, then our world is Auschwitz. There is no good and evil. There is no right and wrong. There is just the bare, valueless fact of existence. And no atheist can live consistently within the framework of such a worldview. Yeah, and I found it incredible that a Dr. L.D. Rue, in a, in a remarkable address to the American Academy for the Advancement of Science in 1991, advocated that we believe in a noble lie. Talk about that. Right. What Professor Rue said is that we um, cannot allow social chaos to govern society. But on the other hand, the totalitarian option of trying to impose moral values on people is equally unworkable. So how do we get out of this predicament? He said, what we need is a noble lie, whereby the intelligentsia deceive the masses into believing that there are objective moral values, objective meaning, objective purpose, even though there is none. And so Roos advocated that we deceive ourselves by means of this noble lie so that mankind and society can function and go forward. His closing verdict was very telling. He said, without such lies, we cannot live. This is the dreadful verdict pronounced upon modern man. In order to live consistently and happily, he must live in self-deception. Yeah. All right, let's go to the good news. How does biblical Christianity challenge this worldview of modern man? In light of the unlivability of atheism, it seems to me, John, that we need to go back to square one and say, wait a minute, how do we know that God does not exist? If God does exist, then there is a, an objective basis for meaning, value, and purpose in life. And therefore, I think this should motivate us to examine anew the evidences and arguments for the existence of God and truth of Christianity, because if there is good reason that God exists, that gives us a framework within which we can live consistently and happily. Though you said that biblical Christianity provides the two conditions necessary for meaningful, valuable, and purposeful life, God and immortality. Explain that. 
That's exactly right, John. On biblical Christianity, God does exist, and life does not end at the grave. The meaning of life is to be found in a personal relationship with God, which lasts forever into eternity. The values of life are rooted in the nature of God Himself, who is by nature loving, just, kind, generous, faithful, and so forth, so that we can affirm the objectivity of moral values and duties. And finally, there is an objective purpose for life. God has created us for Himself. Our end is to be found in the knowledge of God. This is the fulfillment of human existence, to know God and His love forever. So that unlike atheism, biblical Christianity furnishes the necessary conditions for a consistent and happy life. Uh, God and immortality which give us meaning, value, and purpose. Yeah, this is not just academic for you. You've actually experienced what you're talking about. Take us back to the time when you were not a Christian and you started thinking about these things. Yes, I was not raised in a Christian family, though it was a good and loving family. But I experienced the despair and the blackness that I've talked about and that I later read in the French existentialist philosophers. As I looked out at life and my own existence, I thought, what is the meaning of my existence? I was aware that everything was doomed ultimately to extinction, and I could see no meaning or purpose for my existence or the existence of anything else. And this filled me with a deep despair and, and blackness. And I don't know if you understand what this is like, but it makes every day miserable, another day to get through. And I remember one day I was feeling particularly crummy. I walked into my high school German class and I sat down behind a girl who is one of these types <laughs> that is always so happy it just <laughs> makes you sick. Uh -huh. And I tapped her on the shoulder and I said, what are you always so happy about anyway? And she said, it's because I know Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. And I said, well, I go to church. And she said, that's not enough, Bill. You've got to have him really living in your heart. And I said, well, what would he want to do a thing like that for? And she said, because he loves you, Bill. And that just hit me like a ton of bricks. Here I was so filled with despair and, and anger. And she said, there was someone who really loved me. And who was it but the God of the universe? And that thought just staggered me to think that the God of the universe could love me, that worm named Bill Craig down there on that speck of dust called the planet Earth. And so I went home that night and picked up a New Testament that had been given to me in the fifth grade by the Gideons when they visited our grade school, and I began to read it. And as I read the Gospels, I was absolutely captivated by the person of Jesus of Nazareth. There was a wisdom about this man's teaching that I had never encountered before, and there was an authenticity about his life that was simply undeniable. Well, to make a long story short, I went through about six months of the most intense and agonizing soul-searching that I've ever gone through until finally I just came to the end of my rope and one night I cried out to God. And I cried out all the anger and the bitterness that had been building up inside of me. And as I did so, I felt this tremendous infusion of joy like a balloon being blown up until it was ready to burst. And I rushed outdoors. It was a warm Midwestern summer evening. 
and you could see the Milky Way from horizon to horizon. And as I looked up at the stars, I thought, God, I've come to know God. And that moment just changed my whole life. I knew that I could not do anything less than spend the rest of my entire life sharing this good news with mankind. Because if this is the truth, if it's really the truth, this is the greatest news ever announced. Folks, this is the truth, and we hope that you'll keep listening in this series. Next week, we're going to talk about five good reasons to believe in the existence of God. So I hope that you'll join us then. If you would like to have all of the information in our new series, Does God Exist? Arguments for the Existence of God with philosopher Dr. William Lane Craig, it is available now on DVD. In this series, he answers the questions, what difference does it make if God exists or not? What would the implications be if God did not exist? Then he presents five good reasons why God does exist. And he explains why the origin of the universe is strong evidence, both scientifically and philosophically, for the existence of God. Finally, he addresses the problem of evil and suffering, which says, if God is all loving and all powerful, then he wouldn't allow evil and suffering to exist. But evil does exist. Therefore, God does not exist. Dr. Craig explains how to answer both the intellectual and emotional parts of this argument. All four programs in this important series are available on DVD for a gift of $49. Then we taped a second series with Dr. Craig entitled, The Case for the Life, Death, and Resurrection of Jesus. In this series, he answers the questions, how do we know that the gospel records about Jesus' life are historically trustworthy? And how do we know that the writers didn't just make up the sayings and stories about Jesus? Then, who did Jesus think himself to be? Did Jesus really claim to be the Messiah and the unique Son of God? What four historical facts accepted by a wide spectrum of New Testament scholarship today lead to the conclusion that Jesus really did rise from the dead? The three programs in this series are available on DVD for a gift of $39. And finally, these two series are available together for a gift of $88. Or you may go to our website at jashow.org and order them as a digital download for $35. And you may order this special package now by calling us at 1-800-805-3030. That's 1-800-805-3030. And you may call that same number any day this week, 24 hours a day. Or you may order these materials at our website at jashow.org. And then, those of you who live in Canada may call us at 1-866-746-5803. And our Canadian website is jashow.ca. And when we receive your gift, we will send you a receipt and a personal thank you.
This program is sponsored by the John Ankerberg Show Ministries and is made possible by the grace of God and your faithful prayers and gifts.